Hi guys, thanks for coming back. This is episode two of Hospitality TV. Today we are joined by Master Sommelier Will Costello, visiting us from Las Vegas. Super glad to have him here. We just finished an amazing class uh, of wines in Santa Barbara here at Born and Raised in San Diego. But I'm gonna steal him for a couple minutes and ask him a couple questions here. So thank you for your time, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it very, very much. Um, so a couple things, uh, we used to work together at Addison, at the Grand Del Mar, now the uh, Fairmont Del Mar. You were the maitre d' of that location. And from there, Actually, I believe you started as a captain, yeah. moved into maitre d', and then from there moved to Las Vegas as wine director for the Mandarin Oriental. And that's a tremendous jump in responsibility and organization. And I was wondering if you could share any tactics that you use for yourself to move from managing one venue into such a tremendous venue of seven or eight outlets with different programs and concepts, and how you approach that to do it so successfully. The biggest and most important thing to recognize is that if you do not have the support in each outlet to be able to do things of grand nature like we did at Addison where we had three sommeliers on the floor, all of the captains were certified sommeliers, you can't go and create dreams out of thin air. You need to have an idea of what works. For example, at Twist where I was on the floor, it was a three Michelin star chef's only American restaurant. We had a huge wine list with 2,200 selections, and we had three captains who were really able to talk about wine comfortably. We could do anything we wanted. We had a menu that was $777 for wine and food, and we sold 25 of them a week, no problem. But downstairs at our three meal restaurant, we had to have wine that was in the wheelhouse of 65 to $70. Did I know that initially? Not at all. In fact, I had to look at product mix reports and I had to look at the menu pricing, realize the most anybody's gonna spend there is about 70 bucks. So they're probably gonna match that same bottle price for two people. Meaning if I put a $175 bottle on there, it's never gonna sell. And I had to realize that shifting to match the venue is way more important than making the venue match what I thought it could be capable of. Interesting, okay. Well, during that time that you were doing that, not only did you take on this huge new project, but you also passed your master sommelier examination. So I know personally of a couple people, and I'm not trying to call anybody out, but it's just, they seem like such a daunting task to take on these higher, level, um, higher levels of examination with the court of masters and take on a new role of a GM slash wine director or a managing wine director for a hotel. What advice would you give to somebody who is on the brink of that to do it successfully and not overwhelm themselves? When I was starting my master sommelier exam, I was single, but I knew for myself, I wanted to have a successful career, which is something I can do on my own. I wanted to get married and I want to have some kids. These are three things that you have to be able to balance at once. Trying to be a master sommelier, fell in line as well. And I would say to anybody who thinks that trying to become a master sommelier and study for that is too overwhelming, honestly means that they are probably not comfortable with managing real life. You can't quit your job to say, I'm gonna study all day long because I wanna pass this exam. Trust me, if you are of means where you can sit around and do so, I would love to have done that. But you know what? I wanted to balance my ability with a greater task. And anyone can say being great in your career takes a lot of time and effort. Being a great husband or wife takes a lot of effort. Being a great parent takes a lot of effort. And passing the master sommelier, I'd like to be able to do all of those as opposed to just pick one 
because they are so connected and linked. Right. So now that you've left the Mandarin and you're, you've moved over to the other side of this uh, sales, excuse me, obviously being, you know, to the levels that you've gotten to, master sommelier and wine director of the Mandarin in, in Las Vegas. And I mean, you've climbed how many of the highest mountains in the world as well? Uh, three of the biggest ones on <laughs> each continent. So, yeah. Okay. Amazing. So obviously you're, you're a go-getter and what, now that you've switched over to the sales side, I expect great things to happen, I'm sure. What, in what ways are you pushing yourself to really excel in this new side for you? Maybe what advice would you give to somebody who's thinking of switching from you know, the front of the house buying side to uh, the distribution or sales side? So as the estates ambassador for Bien Nacido and Solomon Hills Estate Wines, I am responsible for being the front-facing sales and ambassador of our wines all over the country at festivals. Um, that was not something that I had an immediate pathway to success on. In fact, I learned something every single day and I'm getting better at it. I certainly would say there are people who have done it for 20 years who I would look up to and those are the people that I actually reach out to. If someone tells you, hey, call me anytime, anytime you ever have a question, I'll share with you. Most of the time in the wine world, that is not lip service. That is the truth. I call people every single day probably who are friends of mine and catch up and ask them, you know, what they did this weekend and how, you know, how everything's going. But also when you get in a situation like this with a distributor or when you have an account that isn't following through or whatever it is, what do you do? What are some of your successes that you've seen? Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to find allies. I, again, going back to life, you need to have friends. You need to have allies. Don't look at it as a one man or one woman kind of game. Be, be, be comfortable with failing and also be comfortable with asking for help. Do you recall any recent really helpful piece of advice that you've received on that asking I, end? 100%, uh, at least in the sales side, ask for the sale. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very, very, um, one of the tenets of the Quartermaster Sommeliers is humility. And I certainly can say that I don't walk into a room and say, hi, I'm a master sommelier. I don't know any master sommelier who does that. It's not part of who we are as, as educators and as leaders in the industry, but guaranteed that if you walk into an account or go see somebody to buy and you show them the wine and you go, you know what? I really hope they work for you. You're not going to see the same success as, you know what? I love the support on these wines. They're fantastic and they really do make sense for you and what you're trying to do. Will you buy some of our wine and, and support us? If you don't ask for the sale, 90% of the time you're not going to get it. Just like anything else, right? If you don't ask for it, you're never going to get it. Right. Awesome. Lastly, Will, where do you think, um, where do you think the role of sommelier is heading within the next 5, 10, 15 years? I know there are critics who say being off the floor is uh, inevitable for any master sommelier or for any position. I can say that I worked on the floor for 13 and a half years. I loved all of it. I still get to work on the floor as a sommelier. When I go do consumer events, I'll pour around the room and talk to people and I'll, I'll even have chefs firing tickets at individual tables and I'll go pour. I'm very comfortable with that. But there is a tenure to every position but it also opens up opportunities for people who want to excel and succeed. You cannot hold on to a job for 35 or 40 years. I hate to bring in, for example, like our 
Senate and, rep and you know, national representatives who are there for 45 years, but we need new blood. And I think that's mm -hmm. what in the restaurant world and hospitality world, there are people with new ideas and new trends and new lifeblood that deserve an opportunity. So sometimes I certainly haven't sunk away. I've just shifted to somewhere else. And right. I think it, it shouldn't be looked down upon. It should be looked at as a natural progression, not master sommeliers are all leaving the floor. Right. So Will, when you took on the new position of the wine director for the Mandarin and you're absorbing all these responsibilities, you're looking to study for the master sommelier examination. What are some of the best study habits that you had during this time to accomplish this? I realized that every day needs to be a habit, meaning I woke up and I studied for two to two and a half hours every single day. Does this mean what that time I got- would you get up? I got off work at usually around midnight. I would get up around 9.30 in okay. the morning. I'd, you know, I wouldn't even make breakfast yet. I'd have some coffee and I would start studying for two hours. That put me done at about noon. I would wash up, go into work at about one and start my day and continue on fresh. The issue is you need to be able to do it every single day. And I recommend for people who think that they can study at night working on the floor, don't do it. You're already spent. You had chef yelling at you and you had tickets late and you had a bottle you couldn't find and you had all these other things going on. You're not going to get home and be able to study the same way you would. Wake up in the morning, be fresh. I would do it every single day that I worked. And on the weekends, I would usually do four hours at the library. I didn't study at home. I needed to go somewhere. Four hours, come home, make lunch, another four hours at the library. And then I would usually do Skype sessions with other people because you need to have, um, you can't have a constant echo chamber. You need to have new perspectives. So I would have people in Boston and San Francisco and Texas and Minnesota all asking me questions and being involved in my... So you would do essentially theory exchange with these theory people? Theory exchange, Skype. It's one of the best okay. things I could recommend. Write 50 questions. Because if you can write 50 questions in one week, if you have four Skype partners, you can get 200 questions asked to you. Sometimes two people might write the same question, which is fine. But most of the time, you're going to get 200 new questions. Imagine how that can expand your ability to study. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Awesome. Oh, great tips. All right, guys. Thanks again for watching Hospitality TV. A big shout out to our videography crew today at Why Not Collective on Instagram. Uh, of course, for Will Costello, what's your Instagram? Uh, Instagram is at Willbot, W-I-L-L-B-O-T. Awesome. And of course, last but not least, at Hospitality TV on Instagram and Facebook. Please follow us. Give us a like, comment, and share. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Thanks. Thank you.